0: Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding expectations, simplifying lives, and establishing legacies that last for generations. Leverage their exclusive network of experts to help achieve your personal and professional financial goals. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect to a wealth advisor today at corient.com. Hello, everyone. This is episode three of Between the Numbers, and today we're going to be doing a trade deadline overview. Some quick thoughts on the trade deadline. I think the Orioles did a really good job. I think we got good value um, in terms of acquiring two impact players who I think will contribute significantly down the stretch. Two players who I also think have uh, some upside left in them and i think we also didn't have to give up any huge huge prospects that's not any slight on the prospects that we get, did keep up I, I think there there's there's some talented guys in there and some and i think maybe even all of them will make major league appearances over the course of their career uh but rather it's just to say that i think uh jack flaherty and shantara Fujinami are going to be impactful down the stretch um Quick rundown, first gonna look at Jack Flaherty and Shintaro Fujinami, then gonna look at the guys we gave up to get them. So that would be Prieto, Show Walter, and Easton Lucas. And lastly, gonna be looking at kind of, um, based on driveline research, uh, the dollar value that we expect to be acquiring compared to the dollar value that we are giving up in the prospects that we traded. Um, Yeah. I think that's going to be kind of an interesting episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, I want to get into Jack Flaherty. Uh, Jack Flaherty obviously has been in the big leagues for a long time. He is a rental acquisition, which means he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. He has in the past pitched like an ace, uh, but that now has been you know four or five years since that peak. Uh, he has been pitching really, really well. Uh the past two and a half months or or so since may 15th he's got a 3.3 era a 328 FIP, and honestly that's a really impressive stretch which we definitely hope uh will continue in his time as an oriole uh during that stretch i will note his strikeout minus walk rate is less than 15 percent. so you know it isn't entirely you know um you know sunshine and rainbows with with Uh, Jack Flaherty through, through that stretch. Um, I think, you know, if there weren't, uh, any, at least yellow flags that that performance would regress a bit, I think he would have cost a lot more. However, I do think there is upside in his arm and I think the Orioles, uh, could be the right team to get him, um, to prolong that stretch through, through the season and, and maybe just, um, make that his norm you know kind of returning to his previous heights um but we will see uh first just a quick stuff plus overview uh he kind of rates out as an average major league starter he's got 94 stuff plus 97 location plus and a 99 pitching plus um, he has no real standout pitches in the model he has a you know a slightly above average fastball which is always a good building block to um, to you know start from with with a starting pitcher. But besides that, you know, his sinker, cutter, slider, change up and knuckle curve all rank as below average or uh, average. Uh however, I will note that I think the stuff plus model really underrates him. And I think this is for two reasons. The stuff plus model will give a pitch of, you know. It's, it's great based on what it's classified as. And I think this actually harms Jack Flaherty because his cutter, it's more of a hard slider than it really is a cutter. And we'll dive deep into that. But I think that kind of throws off what his stuff plus should really be. And I also think, you know, with some tweaks to his pitch mix and his pitch usage, that stuff plus score would also go up. Um, as always, you know, with, a, a machine learning model like Stuff Plus, you always gotta look deep. You know, it's a useful tool, but you also gotta have a bit of a discerning eye with. It. So um I think I mentioned earlier that you know Jack Flaherty's a guy with with some upside. And the reason I believe that is because I think there are tweaks to be made with his approach against left handed hitters, which will go a long way. Uh, he has been getting crushed by lefties this season. And even just looking at what his arsenal has, you know, I think that can kind of make sense. You see that he's got a poor change up and then all his other weapons kind of move into lefties. You know, I think um, it makes sense why he would be really successful against righties. He throws a four seam, a cutter, a slider, a curve ball, and a sinker against righties. So all those, you know, either move away from righties or, you know, with the sinker makes for a really uncomfortable uh, jammed that bat. And then the four-seamer it actually plays above average um, to both lefties and righties. But point being, his arsenal is well-suited to face righties. Um, he does not throw the change up very much against lefties, which that's the first change I think we could see. And we saw that in his first start with the Orioles. He threw the change up 15% of the time against lefties in his start against the Blue Jays. With the same with the Cardinals, he had only thrown it about 5% of the time to lefties. Um, the second change is um, that I think the Orioles are gonna change how Flaherty uses one of the cutter or the slider against lefties. Right now, we've seen him throw uh, both the cutter and the slider, at least throughout his time with the Cardinals, really um low and inside to lefties so trying to get those swings and misses over the top however that approach hasn't been working and i think we can look at two pitchers uh, and their approaches against lefties to see what the orioles might want to do first i think we can look at the the orioles themselves there's a guy on the orioles who throws a cutter slider who doesn't have many weapons against lefties. His name is Dean Kramer. And what the Orioles have done with Dean is they've just told him, hey, throw that cutter slider on the outside half of the plate and just try to get get it in for strikes. Get strikes, you know, get soft contact on it. It won't be an out pitch by any means, but it'll help you get in the count and get ahead. And that's actually been really effective for Dean. I think we could see Flaherty do that. The other guy that we can look at is, well, what does Jack Flaherty's cutter compare most closely to? That would be Johan Oviedo's slider. And Johan Oviedo throws it 33% of the time to lefties. And it has an above average uh, uh, WOBA of 307 against lefties for him. So I think we can look at how Johan Oviedo uses his his slider, and, and maybe from there we can you know, say how he should use that cutter. Um, Flaherty, for anyone wondering, throws the cutter 21% of the time against lefties, and it has a 416 Woba, which is terrible. Um, Also, I will note, going back to to, uh, what I was talking about, Stuff Plus, you know, let's say Flaherty's cutter was relabeled as a slider. The Stuff Plus on that pitch just based on, you know, Johan Oviedo's uh, slider would be about one Oh five. So that would give him another uh, above average pitch um, in the stuff plus model. Um, so that was just an interesting little quirk. Uh, so yeah. Point being, Jack Flaherty throws what I believe to be a slider cutter that has a lot of potential and, um, Moving on, you know, just looking at uh, how Johan Oviedo uses the pitch, what we see is that Oviedo tries to just, you know, throw it either on the back on the outside half of the plate or keep it below the zone. Throughout the season with the Cardinals, at least, what we see Flaherty do with the cutter is throw it up and throw it deep inside to lefties. So I think it would be worth for both Flaherty and the Orioles to explore maybe an approach where that either the cutter, uh, probably the cutter, or maybe the slider will be getting thrown on the outside half of the plate. Just, you know, really avoiding, um, overlap where, where he throws his, uh, his other, you know, whether it be where he throws his slider, essentially. I, I think it would be nice to have some differentiation, you know, right now, he's throwing both the cutter and slider inside. I think it would be good to throw one outside and throw one inside. Uh, Johan Oviedo has seen a lot of success with that approach. Dean Kramer has seen success with that approach. I think Jack Flaherty could see success with that approach. Uh, yeah, a couple other notes on Jack Flaherty. First is you know, a tweet that I think a lot of us saw where you know Sarah's just noted how important velocity is to Flaherty, how much better he performs when he's throwing um, harder. So what that tweet said for anybody listening that didn't see it is in starts where Jack Flaherty averaged 93 miles, 93.9 miles per hour or better. He gave up five earned runs in 25 innings pitched. Uh, in all other starts, he pitched 85 innings with 49 earned runs. Um, so, yeah, VLO matters a lot. Uh, I think that applies to most pitchers and it certainly applies to Flaherty. Um I also wanted to point out that Jack Flaherty is an excellent acquisition in the sense that he not only helps the, the to strengthen the Orioles rotation in terms of you know guys that are you know starting to show signs of fatigue and whatnot, but he also strengthens the rotation in the area that they are weakest in. That is providing shutdown. Starts and what I define as a shutdown start is going five plus innings and allowing one run or or fewer. And so, just looking at you know the Orioles rotation, this might be a little bit outdated um, as I haven't updated the numbers uh, in about a, a month or so. But you know, twenty eight percent of the time, Orioles starters. Give shutdown performances. In the major league average is about thirty percent of the time. Jack Flaherty does it forty-three percent of the time. That's a really impactful arm to add to the rotation. Moving on to Fujinami, I think fewer notes on him. I think uh, the Orioles have already gotten to work on him. They've changed his pitch usage uh, pretty significantly. But just a, a quick overview on his approach. He's a fastball uh, splitter guy against lefties and a fastball cutter guy against righties. Uh, in terms of Stuff Plus, since June 1st, he he's got uh, he's in the upper 25% of relievers in Stuff Plus with 116. The fastball and splitter grayed out as above-average pitches, uh, and the cutter is an average pitch. I wouldn't be surprised if Fujinami was a reverse splits guy. Uh, I actually didn't check if he... Uh, was or wasn't, but you know, just based on the fact that he's got two above average offerings against lefties. Um, yeah. A quick look at how his pitch usage has changed uh, with the Orioles. We see that he's been using the, fo- or the four-seam fastball a lot less. He is using the cutter and the splitter um, uh, more, uh, especially we're seeing a an increased usage of the cutter against righties. Uh, which uh, has been pretty effective for him. I know he's had a couple of rough outings, uh, but I think we're seeing that there's a lot, a lot of upside in his arm. Um, I think this, you know, from the Orioles' perspective, you know, you acquired a guy who I think at worst is going to be a an electric middle reliever, and at best, you acquired a guy who's got the upside of becoming a high leverage guy and you know obviously we'll see how that develops but i think it's it's a pretty um low risk high reward type of trade um and i think one of the most underrated moves in the entire trade deadline by any major league team um but that might be me getting overly excited um yeah any, in any case, I think he's going to be an awesome arm to have in the Orioles staff. He is also a guy who has shown no signs of pitcher fatigue. Uh, so going back to the previous episode of Between the Numbers, for anybody that listened and might have concerns about that, this is a, a kind of a fresh arm who is going to be really helpful to have uh, for the remaining two months. Moving on to the guys we gave up. First guy is going to be Cesar Prieto. Now, this is a guy who I think is almost certainly going to have some form of a major league career. But I think it's a career with a relatively low ceiling. Uh, when looking at minor league players who, you know, kind of matches profile here, I looked at, you know, uh, players in AAA who were 24, uh, had an ISO under 170, which is just kind of, you know we're kind of using it to proxy his his power level and a strikeout le- rate less than 10% you know you find that there are not a lot of great outcomes you see guys that wind up having major league careers like long major league careers and a lot of guys that make major league appearances for you know a year or two year or a few years but no real superstar players so you know that kind of goes to show that, he, you know, Cesar Prieto at best is going to be kind of a fringe average starter um, for a team. Um, you know, some of the guys that, you know, stand out that have had major league careers on the list that match this criteria. Adam Frazier of the Baltimore Orioles right now. Jerickson Profar, Didi Gregorius being the best outcome of them all. Um we also see Breivik Valera, old friend from the Manny Machado trade. And you see uh, you know, a whole list of um, guys who have had up-down careers or just have occasionally made major league appearances like Christian Colon, uh, J.B. Shuck, Johnny Javatella, and whatnot. Uh, now, just to further emphasize this, this kind of finding that Prieto is kind of a low ceiling guy, we can also just say, you know, what if he, what if he had no drop off from AAA to the major leagues, which is honestly kind of a very unlikely hypothetical. But let's say, all right, players with less than a 10% strikeout rate. In, in this case, I did an ISO less than, than 0.16, um, and then we also added in the fact that. Uh, you know Prieto is a guy who smashes the ball into the ground a lot so guys who hit a, who have a ground ball rate of uh, over 48 percent which would actually be lower than Prieto's current rate at triple-a which has been you know a little bit over 48 percent what we see there is you know guys like Andrelton, Andrelton Simmons a whole lot uh Jose Iglesias David Fletcher in in some of his worst seasons. So you're seeing that, you know, he is likely to be a below average major league bat just based on historical track record of players with similar profiles. Um, Though he might occasionally have, you know, a big season where his WRC plus is slightly above league average. And again, that's the best outcome. This is a valuable guy to have in an organization. He, you know, he's a great up-down guy to have. And um, honestly, even a guy that's just handy, you know, if there's a season where you need to plug a hole in the middle infield, you give him uh, a starting job and and he'll probably, you know, be kind of a one-war player or something along those lines. Um, Again, this is a valuable player but not someone that really projects as an impact everyday player. Um, and because of his poor defense, probably not a regular big league roster guy, not even as a bench guy. Drew Rom. I am a big fan of Drew Rom, but um, I also think this is a guy who had a somewhat limited ceiling. Just looking at his stuff plus, he throws a sweeper. Uh, a four-seamer, a sinker, and a splitter. Um, now, all of those pitches grayed out as about league average, um, which bodes well for his future as as a major league arm. However, he has terrible, and I mean terrible, location-plus grades on his secondaries that aren't his fastballs. So his sweeper has a location plus of 93, which is really bad. His splitter has a location plus of 80, which is pretty much unusable. And so this probably hints at why you see Drew Rom throw almost 70% fastballs, uh, whether it's the four-seamer or the sinker, throughout uh, his time in AAA. Um, I think... Based on, on this, you know I think there's there's limited upside with Rom. I think you could see him as a spot starter who comes up um, every now and then, and I also think his you know long term role in the big leagues could be you know maybe being a, a lefty one out guy, a loogie, you know because he throws the sweeper which is usable. You know it's 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 got it's he doesn't command it very well but it's usable and he also has a sinker which is uh, a great pitch to have against uh, same-handed batters and the four-seamer which will play honestly against both lefties and righties so he's got you know three pitches to attack lefties with you change that over to righties you know he's pretty much only got his four-seamer because the splitter isn't really usable and and you know opposite-handed hitters tend to crush sinkers uh, and sweepers also tend to get crushed by um, opposite-handed hitters. So you're looking at a guy who, who's going to be better against lefties. Um, the secondaries need a lot of work in terms of command. And, yeah, I mean, again, this is a valuable organization arm. He, you know, it's, it's a guy who, who will throw innings out of your bullpen, will make the occasional spot start. It's valuable, but it has limited ceiling. Uh, another note, there are very few guys who average below 92 miles per hour on their fastball in the big leagues. There are no guys that average below 92 miles per hour on their, on their fastball and have bad secondaries. And there are no guys that throw a 92 mile per hour fastball and throw the fastball 70% of the time. Um, So his value is really being a depth guy um, as it stands right now. Uh, Obviously, I am really rooting for him, and I hope he can sort out the command on the secondaries. But as he is right now, he kind of looks like a depth arm. Moving on to the next guy, Zach Showalter. I I think he was – You know, he might seem like a throw in, but I actually think he is the centerpiece of the trade. He's the highest reward uh, or the highest upside guy in the trade. Just a quick look at guys who have, you know, done what he's done in the minor league. So we're looking at 19 year old players with, um, you know, uh, striking out over 25 percent of the hitters in low A. you know who have ground ball rates of over 40 percent and then we you know just some uh, other criteria to kind of try and uh, narrow down our pool to maybe other players that have done similar things also you know players that are you know pitchers that have walked more than 10 percent of batters and that also have a strike on minus walk rate greater than 15 percent we see that there's a list of mixed outcomes Uh, and what you see here you find guys like lance mccullers jr um, Michael Kopech, Mick Abel, Anthony Solomedo, guys that are honestly pretty exciting, guys that have uh, that look like they'll be um, solid Major League starters uh, or have shown that they are solid Major League starters. However, in that list, you also see a ton of guys that didn't pan out. You see Marcos DePlan, You see Francisco Morales. You see Sean Reed Foley. Um, You see Jackson. uh, Oh, well, Jackson Ferris is a guy from this year, so don't mind that. Um, You see Antonio Cruz from 2011. So there's a lot of guys who don't pan out. Now, obviously, there's huge upside. I think just being on a list like this kind of shows that it's not, you know, what he's done is not something that many pitchers have been able to do. Uh, even though it's, it's low A ball, even though we're looking at Delmarva. However, I think in terms of looking at the team context, the Orioles are willing to, to give up the high upside of Showalter because if you look at every starter that panned out here, so Ian Anderson, Michael Kopech, and Lance McCullers Jr., they all took at least two more years to, to debut and usually way more than two years to really establish themselves as solid major league starters. You know, uh, looking at Michael Kopech, he didn't establish himself as a major league starter until 2022. He showed up on this list in 2015. So, you know, I think the Orioles are willing to, to, you know, when, when you account for how long it would take for Showalter to become an impact starter, uh, and how long it would take for him to debut, I think the Orioles were, were willing to make that trade. Um, it is also worth noting, there's another Oriole pitcher that shows up on this list from this year, and that's Yaki Rivera. So keep a lookout on that guy. Um, he does seem like he's more of a reliever look, but still, it's cool that he showed up on that list. Um, yeah, last guy that we're going to look at, Easton Lucas. Um obviously his value is being a depth guy. He's a guy, his value comes from his minor league options, the fact that he can be called up and down and just cover innings in a bullpen uh for a rebuilding team. Um I think he's got upside of maybe a league average-ish middle reliever at best, you know, by stuff plus he's got Kind of a slightly above average slider, uh, kind of a league average sinker, fringe average fastball, and a below average changeup. Though it is worth noting that changeups are um, notoriously difficult for a Stuff Plus model to grade accurately. Um, He is a guy that has, you know, league average command. And so, you know, I think... He's gonna. He's. I think it's likely that he's gonna make major league appearances and that he'll contribute to the ace bullpen over the next few years in some capacity. Um, but I think more likely than not. It'll be in an up and down type of fashion. From a team context, I think the Orioles, you know, feel comfortable with the depth of up down guys that they have in the minor leagues right now. I mean, if the Orioles needed a, a minor league reliever tomorrow, you know, I feel like you could put up Vespey or Gillespie or DL Hall if you wanted to. Um, And that's just, you know, the three that came up, you know, came um, from the top of of my head right now. Um, And I think there are other guys that that would fit that role. Um, Easton Lucas, if he was in the major leagues, uh, he's got bottom 25% stuff plus for a reliever. And um and, and even below average for uh below average um location plus grades um uh, for major league pitchers, though I think that is heavily weighed down by the changeup. I don't actually think he's got such bad location or, or command. Um yeah. Uh last note is just, you know how did we do on these trades? How can we try and value these trades? And so what we can look at is some research done by driveline where they found the dollar value um, of of prospects based on their different prospect grades. And so this is based on how much, uh, or how many wins above replacement prospects with those prospect grades produced. And so when we look at, you know, the prospects we gave up, you have Prieto who, and I'll be using fan graph grades uh, and kind of estimates for guys who didn't have fan graph grades. So Prieto was a 40 future value. Uh, you know, Driveline found that to be about worth about $2 million. Romp, kind of a 35 future value guy, that's worth about... million. Lucas, probably similar to Rom, even though Fangraphs didn't grade him. I'll give him a 35. We'll say another million dollars worth of prospects. And then Show Walter, I gave him about a a 40 future value. Uh, I just used the grade that was given to him by MLB Pipeline. Don't know how Fangraphs would grade him, but we can say that's another million dollars in prospect value. So in total, we gave up $5 million worth of uh, prospect value. And then we compare that to what we expect to get in return. Just looking at rest of season projections for Flaherty and Fujinami. uh, Flaherty's projected for about half a win. And then Fujinami's uh, projected for about a 10th of a win. So in total, a 0.6 war between the two. um, Using, uh, you know, a baseline of nine million dollars per war you know that that means we expect to get about 5.4 million dollars uh in value from Flaherty and Fujinami rest of season while we expect to give up about five million dollars in value um in the prospects we gave up for the remainder of their um careers essentially so I think at least through this type of value or valuation, we actually did really, really well uh on the trades. I mean to to get, you know, five million and half a season for five million over all the team control of these guys, you know, it looks like we made honestly really great deals in terms of, of value. Um so yeah, I just thought that was Kind of an interesting way of evaluating the trades. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I I think the next episode is going to be looking at, at what constitutes a position player core for a playoff team. And yeah, I hope you guys will give that a listen. And I'll catch you guys next time. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more. It's easy to build credit with a Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required. Get started at chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank NA, member FDIC. Chime checking account and a 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Call 1-844-244-6363 for details. On-time payment history may have a positive impact on your credit score. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.